0: You're the common denominator, but you're also the person that can make these changes. You don't have to take on life the way it happens to you. You can be the one who sees it and changes
1: it. Okay, let's do it.
2: Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Inspire Leadership. My name is Tyler Bailey, and I'm here with Susan Power. Today, we have a wonderful guest on. I'll get to that in just a second, but... As I just got to thank you as well for all the support and all the ideas that you're bringing to us. We keep doing this because of you and we can't, I can't help but enjoy it. It's, it's become a big part of our lives and thank you for, uh, for supporting it. With that said, let's move to our guest today is Trisha Trixie. Trisha Trixie is a mask maker. She's made over 900 masks as well as a cancer warrior. She's written a few books. First one called Days of Corn Tortillas and her second book is Falling Into Fabulous. I personally met Trixie at a Toastmaster convention, the world champion of public speaking. She was there and I couldn't help but get lost in conversation with her for an hour. I know you're gonna love it, I don't wanna spoil too much. Let's hop into it. All right, so uh, let's hop into uh, the first uh, first thing I wanted to ask you is like tell us, tell us about you and growing up and how, how do you see the world differently today than you did in the past. What's what's changed?
0: I did not lead a normal life by any means and I joke but kind of not joke that my life growing up and even into adulthood can be summed up with one phrase of it's not fair. <laughs>
2: it's not fair.
0: <laughs> because I have had a rough life and it's been that way when I was writing my book I found out from my mom it's been that way since even before I was born. Mm. And That comes from my mom falling down the basement steps and almost losing me, to my mother having experimental chemo back in 1970, and she didn't know she was pregnant, and they wanted her to abort me. Oh my God. So I almost didn't even make it here. So (laughs) I've been a survivor since the beginning, and my parents divorced when I was really young, on top Mm -hmm. of that, and Mm -hmm. then I went to go live with my dad, And luckily I did because I went to live with him, not knowing that my mom was sick at the time. I just thought they were divorced. And I lived with him from eight until 10. And then he passed away falling off a high school scaffolding. (laughs) Wow. So that's just before I'm 10. (laughs) As you see, life's not fair. The mentality. So how do I look at things different to back then? When I was young, I truly... Felt that way as a young child. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't fair. Things keep happening to me. This really sucks. And that was by the time I was 10. Mm-hmm. And if you read my book, you'll see it didn't stop then. As I was a teenager, other things happened to me. I unfortunately had to go through, you know, self harm and anorexia. And I do talk openly about rape and molestation that I also unfortunately had to go through. And so I just kept feeling that until I was about 18. And I don't really know exactly what changed from that mentality. Maybe it was the fact that at 19, I got pregnant with my first child and I started being a quote unquote adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I started seeing life differently. And I started seeing life as more like, well, there's gotta be something better. And I did keep having that mentality as a child. There's gotta be more to this. There's gotta be something more to this. But growing up, I always thought I'm never gonna make it past 25. And I didn't know why I felt that way. I just felt that way. And at 23, I tried to take my own life because I felt like life wasn't fair.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I always thought for me, when I came home with a bad report card, life wasn't fair it's a funny perspective in a way i look at it as an analogy like a piano in a way like um i'm only playing on eight keys and i think that deepest darkest key is the eighth one to me that that's that's a dark key i don't ever want to touch that key but when i talk to somebody like yourself with these experiences you're playing with the whole the whole piano the the 88 keys you're playing you're that deepest darkest one is whoa i never even thought i could go over there it's just um but it's it's weird because when i would come home with that horrible report and say this isn't fair almost like my baseline was was that i would still feel emotionally there but i wasn't i never knew it could go past it can never go deeper so talking to somebody like you it's giving this really opening up this experience saying wow there's this there's more there's a deeper spectrum a wider range
1: I suppose it's all relative to you know your experience if the worst thing that's happened to you at the age of eight is a bad report card of course that's going to be you know like oh my god this is the worst thing ever but clearly uh, Trisha Trixie something has shifted for you Mm -hmm. since since then, or it seems to be that way from talking with you, um, something, I think you might see things differently now than you did back then. What, what does inspired leadership mean to you today?
0: Yeah. Well, for one thing, inspired leadership to me means literally that. It means people who inspire others through leadership. And I do truly feel like that has to be in their actions, in what they say, in what they do, in who they are online, in who they are in person. And when I talked to Tyler about this, even at the convention when we were meeting, Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I shared with him and that I share with other people is I hope that if people look at me, that they see that that's the same person across the board, that who you see online on Facebook or Instagram is the same person that you met when you met me in person. It's the same person when you talk to me in a Zoom meeting that you never think, well, that that doesn't relate. That's not the same person. I think an inspired leader needs to be all of those things cohesively and that you look to that person and say that person inspires me by all of the things that they do. Mm -hmm. My mother also was a strong inspiration in my life. She showed me a very strong work ethic about giving and about being a starfish saver and just being there for others. It didn't matter if they were able to give back to you. It didn't matter if they were able to pay you or not pay you. All that mattered is that if you could give to give to them. I had a leader that I worked with on an IT contract, Mike Yurick, and he was amazing. He was the type of leader that was a program leader over a big corporation many many people and you know he was always nice (laughs) no matter what he was kind he was nice he rarely raised his voice and if he did he apologized and that showed me part of that you know hey that person's human and it's okay to be human and then in, in Toastmasters, I wanted to give a shout out to these two people that really, really touched my lives on the Toastmaster side. And they are Rhea Thompson and Marsha Wood. And they are in my district. And they were just amazing leaders that really showed me communication styles and leadership styles. And these leaders just said, give what you can give and do what you can. We just want to have you a part of things. And they showed me how to be true leaders, not just to follow the rules, but how to communicate, how to have a servant leadership style, which is one things that Toastmasters is really about. And that's one thing that I really love about Toastmasters is that I felt like it really meshed with my giving style because Toastmasters is known as servant leadership. Without these leaders, I honestly don't think that I would be the leader I am today. And that's my life. I hope to inspire others by now my different perspective and now what I've been through.
1: So you're the real deal, the Trisha Trixie that we meet at the Toastmasters conventions, the same girl that we're talking to here today. And you mentioned earlier, you got pregnant when you were fairly young, when you were 19. Is that when things switched for you or how did this kind of new mindset come about?
0: Well, part of it did switch when my father passed away when I was 10. He was a very starfish saver kind of person everybody loved him he left a legacy of love and that's something that really stuck with me and i kept thinking about that through the years even going through what was happening but then after i had tried to take my life when i was 23 something shifted in my 20s and i had divorced my first husband and had gotten you know my life tried to get my life back together And I had dealt with custody battles with my ex-husband at the time. And that's something that I had been through that again, not a lot of moms (laughs) go through. And so that started really shifting things is, you know, I kept having friends tell me, you're the common denominator But you're also the person that can make these changes. You don't have to take on life the way it happens to you. You can be the one who sees it and changes it. And it was like, okay, well, if all my friends keep telling me, hey, this is in your hands, quit playing the victim, start doing something about it. From 23 to 27, I started doing something about it. And was like, all right, what do I do about it? You know, I'm tired of the rug being pulled out from underneath me. And that's when the change really started happening after I had my second son as well.
2: I really think there's something um, that's not said about the feeling of frustration. I think there's a lot of negative connotation that goes towards the feeling of frustration. And uh, for me, I remember I I felt pretty dark in a a horrible place after in college. And um, it was only until I felt truly you could say authentically addressed my frustration and sat in it and did something about it that i actually started moving my life in a better direction um and it's it's almost like yeah you you were just so frustrated with the point that i i got to put a stop to this um there's so much power in that and i think a lot of people it's sad a lot of uh, i mean when i grew up i was taught to you know bad feelings push push down <laughs> you know just don't <laughs> right. worry about it feel good being there. no, there's power there anyway you uh, one thing when i met you i just gravitated towards you cuz you have this giving persona you host events, you, you're part of the mask maker group. You've been uh, sewing over 900 masks now. How do you, how do you keep this giving mindset? How do you, what, what advice can you give to people that are right now, especially in a take-take kind of hoard mentality that's like just don't want to lose anything?
0: we didn't always have a lot of money. We didn't always have a lot of things. And as you heard, I've been through a lot of storms in my life. What do you do when you've got all these storms constantly going through your life? And it was just a mindset change. And that's one thing that I talk to a lot of people about is it's, you know, mind over matter. It's a mindset change and looking at You know, can I step outside of myself here and say, you know, I'm not the victim anymore. What can I do for others? Maybe if I give to someone else, maybe I'll feel better. And maybe I'll stop thinking about my problems and my storms and my trials and my adversity. And that's where it started from and where it stemmed from. But it started, you know, in that space and then it turned into, My therapist always teases me that I'm the crusader for humanity. (laughs) Wow. And I like that he coined that right away. As soon as he said it, I was like, gotta put that on my Facebook. Hold on. (laughs) You know, that was my new title because I do feel that way. I just... I just want to love the world, I just feel like I've always had that, there's got to be something better than this, and teachers and quotes and drama, you know, you always hear this, if you want change, be the change, and if you want to see a difference, make the difference, and I took that to heart, okay, I guess I'll be the one making the difference, I guess I'll be the one being the change, Mm -hmm. and I just want to give, and I just want to help humanity, and I want to be there a part of the mask making thing is I used to have a fashion business. And prior to my cancer, I had that. And when you have cancer, you go through something called like chemo brain. And I just couldn't sew for a while. And I I would look at my sewing machine like I was an idiot. I was like, how does this thing work? And I was really nervous about being a part of those mask making groups. But I was just meditating one morning about four weeks ago. And it was like, a call to action. It was like, you need to do this. You need to be a part of these mass makers. You have the skill, you can help, and people need this. And so Mm -hmm. I just worked it out and started helping. And I think that we often think we don't have those gifts and we don't have something to offer. And I just shared this on a Facebook Live yesterday that we all have amazing gifts. Some of it is just posting memes and positive, uplifting things to make people feel better. Some of it is making a mask. Some of it is doing a podcast on inspired leadership, right? Mm-hmm. We all have gifts and we just need to recognize what do we have a skill set for and where are we willing to share that. Are you willing to do a Facebook Live video? Are you willing to do a podcast? How can you give back? Because when you give back, you step outside of yourself and you see life in a whole different perspective.
2: It's almost like people forget to ask the question: How can I even give? You know, when they're like, "I don't have money," I don't. There's a lot of ways to do it. We just don't even start to even ask the question. We don't even believe we can, we can give, and therefore we don't even build a habit of giving. Therefore, we don't even have strategies to give, and we don't even. Get anywhere, <laughs> you know. We right. just don't do anything about it because we just don't believe we can. Yeah. So, and
1: I, I love, I love that you say that. That when you, you know, most feel that you're in a dark place, is that's when you reach out to someone else, right? And we had right. another guest, Dan Martell, that said something similar. That if he was, you know, struggling with his business, that's when he'd call up a friend and say, how are you doing with your business? How can I help? And there's something really empowering about taking action like that. And it's, it's almost impossible. I think to feel like a victim when you're giving to other people, because you're not focused on yourself, you're focused on the other person. And I, I don't know what you're, if you can elaborate on kind of what the idea of is for your book, you are the author of a book called falling into fabulous and I'm just curious what that's about and how does one fall into fabulous?
0: You said, Ty, you know, asking the question, right? Mm-hmm. What am I going through? Why am I feeling this? How can I help? What can I do? And part of that falling into fabulous is really seeing yourself. And one of the things that I share in my book is you really recognize when you're at the bottom when you are making friends with the blades of grass and you and the dirt have become acquainted with each other you're like hi dirt i'm down here with you (laughs) right like hello grunge you know i'm in the bottom part of this pit but to me and what i try and share with others is when you're that low there's really only place to go and that's up, right? Mm -hmm. Just look up, look up from that perspective. And falling into fabulous is recognizing that we're not falling into despair. We're not falling into negativity and that falling is often said as such a negative and bad thing, but falling is not bad. Falling is a part of failing. And how many times do we hear about these stories of Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Edison and all these people who failed and failed and failed and learned that's how you don't make a light bulb, that's how you don't do physics or how you mm-hmm. don't do Tesla or whatever, right? those things are life lessons. And so all of those things that kept happening to me when I wrote the book, it was during my first cancer journey and I thought, well, here's an opportunity where I'm sitting still so I can write this book and I can help share with others that all of these things that I've been through led me to this point in my life. They made me the person I am. I'm not who I am despite these things that happened to me my husband doesn't love me despite them happening these things happened because i am this person because of that and my Mm -hmm. husband loves me because of that that's who i am that's why i am the person i am so i wouldn't change a thing and it's hard to say that sometimes like oh i really want to go through those things no not really but at the same time i know that that made me the strong person that made me resilient, that made me tolerant, and that made me a giver and made me say, hi, I've been where you are. I've walked in your shoes. I really have come to me. I have that empathy not just empath but empathy i've really been where you are i have walked a mile in your shoes and that's what falling into fabulous that book was about and that's the whole mantra of it i say when given the option of being fabulous why would you choose anything else because we all have that choice right we all have the choice of choosing fabulous
1: well, what we think about today with COVID 19 I don't know what you guys think, but my experience is that most people, this is adversity for, for the world, that most people seem to be a lot nicer today and a lot more empathetic and a lot more um, in it for everybody else and not just for themselves. And I just, I would just wonder if that's going to continue post pandemic. I'm crossing my fingers.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
0: I really hope so. My friends kind of tease me because if you look at the cover of my book, I I have pinup curls and Victoria Rolls, and I was really into that for a while. I loved the whole 1940s genre. And they said, well, we haven't seen that so much lately. We've seen, you know, a very hippie vibe from you and, and, you know, head flowers and things like that. And I said, yeah, I'm kind of more like a person from the 60s, like peace, love, happiness, man, (laughs) you know. (laughs) and i think that's more of how i feel and i'm hoping that that does continue in that same mindset is what you're saying that you know we see how much we're helping each other example yes i have these mask orders and i posted on next door and i went to sleep one night, and I shared this on, on the K-Love radio station. I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I had 350 mask requests. Mm-hmm. And I said, whoa, I can't make this many. If you guys want me to do this, I'm one person with a sewing machine and a cat, you're gonna have to help me. <laughs> <laughs> And they said, I'll cut for you. I'll cut t-shirts, I'll cut this. And I have this whole new friendship of people i didn't even know in my neighborhood i'm in an apartment and there's all these homes around here and i'm thinking had covid not happened would i have ever gotten to know these neighbors would i have ever seen this community Mm -hmm. and in another group i'm in called the love rising collective with dragon tree she talks about this tribal community that we're starting to go back to which is what you're talking about and I think that that's going to be more a part of it, and I really hope that stays. And that's part of that kind of hippie vibe of, you know, we're going to help each other. Oh, you need milk? Hey, I got milk. You need toilet paper? I got toilet paper. You need material or thread? I got thread for you. And I think that that's really great.
2: Well, if you look at an org- organization like that, and then we take uh, the leaders of the organization, um, and it's it's thriving. It's thriving, right? And You get some people in there like oh this could be so much better oh yeah it could be so much better um what are what are some what are some blind spots that some leaders might have that you think are are in today's world that i was it was it that we didn't prepare enough for this or um what do you what do you think in today's you know corporate world
0: well i think that leaders fall short in general because they show us that they're infallible when they really are fallible and i'm probably saying that the wrong way but mm-hmm. in the mindset that they're you know that they they show us or they try and show us i'm perfect and i don't have issues and i don't have problems and I, this is how it is no <laughs> you're not the only one we're all struggling and i think that our leaders Fall short and not showing us that no matter whether it's you know this group or that group or politics or whatever just leaders in general need to show us that they're imperfect that they're human that they fail that they fall
2: and almost um i've, I've been doing a lot of research into into overconfidence because it's something that a lot of 16 uh, year olds 22 uh, year olds deal with one theory is the idea of um Overconfidence is so you don't look incompetent. It makes me think that a lot of leaders are just not comfortable being being right. that, that vulnerable. So they have to just be this overconfident perfect thing and they fall into these traps.
1: Yeah. They always want to look like they're winning all the time but if people could just get both men and women more comfortable you know expressing real emotion within you know reasonable way at work oh my god they would win over the hearts and minds of their employees and people would think oh my god they're human i'll follow them i'll do whatever i can to help them like they're real people Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Right. That's what we need. We need real people
0: to show us how to get out of real situations. We need people to relate to. What do we hear on American Idol all the time? That was relatable, right? That's the very first thing that Simon says, right? Mm. You know, that was relatable because that's what we're looking for. Even out of music and leadership and all things, people want something relatable. I can relate to that person. That person has been where I've been That's how that person got out of that. That's how that person handled that. And, you know, we don't need to be overconfident and say, I'm perfect. Things are great. No, we're human. Show your humanness. I have way more people connect to me and thank me for being real and showing that vulnerability, even when it's hard. I
2: had the opportunity to sit down with uh, the CEO from DHL Canada, Andrew Williams, and that was a couple of weeks back. And I asked him, you know, how do you break down the barrier? between you as a CEO and the person sitting right outside who seriously is uh, just helping the random person off the street coming in with, with orders. How do you break that barrier? And he says exactly what you're saying. It's this uh, showing you're a real person and that you, you can make mistakes, but you're prepared for that. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They trust him. They don't feel like they need to be perfect around him So Tricia, Trixie, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and the latest projects that that you might be working on?
0: One of the places that is best to find me is trishatrixie.com. That's where you can find all of my projects. But my recent project since about the fall and going into this year is called My Legacy of Love. And what my legacy of love is about came about through my second cancer journey. So I had cancer from 2016 to 2017, and then I had it again in 2019. And after that second journey, I strongly felt like I was saved here for this purpose for a reason. And I felt like a big part of that was The legacy of love that I saw my father and my mother teach me on giving and being a starfish saver and helping other people to have love in the world and how could I represent love in the world in our current times and this was even before COVID happened And I decided that I wanted to do that by posting inspiring and uplifting messages. And I have a Facebook group for that. And I also have a Patreon where if people wanna support me, the more that they support me, the more I can do. I can put more marketing out into the world. I can get more messages out. And like I said, ironically, that happened even before COVID, and it's become even stronger now with the coronavirus because I think more than anything, we need positive and uplifting messages. So if you're on Instagram, it's my legacy of love project. Please come follow me. You'll receive daily inspirational messages. I put them together at the end of each month for the coming months and I have themes for each one. This month is an inspiration of hope and I think that we need that more than anything. So definitely, so please come follow me. We have a Facebook group. And you like I said, you can follow me through my trishatrixie.com, it's also there. I really just hope to inspire other people. And I just want to leave a legacy of love on this world. And we never know. As a cancer patient, we see it even more so that we never know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know if I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be gone. I don't know what guarantee there is in life. And we take that for granted a lot of times. And I wanna make sure that when I pass, that people will look back on my life and say, "Hmm, what a legacy of love that woman left." And that's my legacy of love.
1: Thank you to all of our listeners of the Inspired Leadership Podcast. My name is Susan Power and on behalf of myself and my co-host Tyler Bailey, we really appreciate your support. We love making this podcast and we invite you to share it with a friend. Give it a like. Leave us a comment and let us know who you think we should bring on the cast. Until next time, stay well, be grateful.